I recognize in the marvels of our better nature, thought like that which fills the future picture. Smokeless engines hum like unpolluted minds. Rocket ships rise with brain and heart aligned, where children find their way through a garden. All pure, ageless forms, thinking thoughts taught and untaught. That's really lovely. Thank you. I feel like your poems always spark ideas in me. So it's like I have my notes and prepared for the episode. Then you say your poem and then I'm like, ooh, I should talk about this and this and this. So Maybe we should uh, exchange before the episode <laughs> so it doesn't start on such a messy note, but okay. Um, yeah, welcome back to Solo Scene, everyone. This is the ninth episode in our education series. And today we're talking about rites of passage and also ways to keep the mind fresh as we age. So kind of like the two extremes i guess of age there yeah the young and the aging the aging mm -hmm. that's probably the way to say it and we're also going to talk about a question that i wasn't sure how to interpret alicia kind of worded it near the end of the last week's episode mm -hmm. and to quote she said traditional ways of learning that don't fall within the mainstream lineage so we'll see how we both kind of interpreted that but to start we're going to talk about keeping your mind fresh yeah and this is something that, for me at least, from very early on in my education, teachers and mentors talked about a lot because I did ballet and I did piano. And then I started in grade four, as most Nova Scotians do, the French program. Mm -hmm. And all of these things are often considered to be really important in prepping your mind to age gracefully. And so that's something I always learned about, but I suppose not everyone did. Yeah, that's true. I was just um, mentioning today because we saw an elderly lady walking her dog mm -hmm. and you said, oh, she's always walking her dog. Yeah. And I agreed. I was like, that's true. Every time I go out here, she's walking her dog. So that's, mm -hmm. that's a mystery that needs to be solved. But, but um, <laughs> what it reminded me of was this old show that I used to watch as a kid, which was about an old woman and her dog going on adventures in a little biplane to factories i remember one episode where she discovered how to dye things it was like one of those educational uh tv shows for kids mm -hmm. but she had such a spirit of adventure and i feel mm -hmm. like we um maybe um wrongly kind of have these have these archetypes into which we fit elderly people mm -hmm. and one of which is like the really adventurous free-spirited mm -hmm. traveling almost mamma mia type uh <laughs> you know what i'm talking about yeah i do so the, I, like eccentric the eccentric yeah. yes so i think that when i hear like keeping your mind fresh and things i always think about that mm -hmm. i don't know why no i agree that's what i want to be like and i feel like that's what a lot of people want to be like but yeah. other people just want to age and just hang out by a poolside and live a simple life so it's like it really depends on what your goal is what you're going to do in preparation for the later parts of your life but today we're going to talk a bit about what people will on average do in the solo scene is that right. the plan yeah this is the we're talking a little bit more systemically rather than kind mm -hmm. of individual lifestyle choices so i'm going to start with my idea for the, the refuge the retreat just the hangout spot for the mole but for end of life the end of life mole end of life mall. okay <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know how i feel about that well one thing that I actually have, have quite a gripe with in today's world, and we've talked about it in previous episodes of the education series, is that there isn't enough intergenerational mingling mm -hmm. uh, for the purpose of education, yeah. sharing stories. Um, there's almost a, 
And I think because of that, there's almost this contempt which grows towards, especially older people, but just between generations in general, but mm -hmm. it usually goes upwards like that, um, which I guess they call ageism, which you see all the time in politics. It's like, oh, why is our Senate full of septuagenarians and things like that? Mm -hmm. You know, because, and it's because the, the real, the people saying that, I think, don't know many septuagenarians in mm -hmm. real life, so that there isn't much empathy whatsoever, for one mm -hmm. thing. But yeah, this is a place in the solar scene that I thought it'd be fun to design and share with everybody. Mm -hmm. It's called Wisdom Park. Wisdom Park. I right. like that. I was kind of thinking about like a Mario Kart level. Okay. Mario Kart course. Yes. It's like baby park. So this is like the opposite. It's called Wisdom Park. And I was just trying to envision when I'm 68, mm -hmm. where do I want to hang out? Yeah. And so it's outdoors because fresh air, I feel like that, that becomes more and more important the more you age. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I think it's important at all ages, but yes, I feel like there's a tendency for us to remain inside the older we get, even just from when we're kids up to when we're 20. Like, I doubt it will get any better unless we make a concerted effort to get more fresh air. Well said. So Wisdom Park is a place that I was a little bit uh, rocky on the, on the exact specifics, but I think everyone 60 years old or older is welcome. Mm -hmm. No one younger than that is welcome. Okay. Um, it has a big metal sign over the gate that okay. says Wisdom Park. And then in kind of smaller letters underneath that, it's going to have a Latin saying. Okay. I'm not sure exactly what again, but that'll be up to the, the elders. Mm -hmm. What do you think it might contain? Just so you can see how uh, in tune you are with my ideas. Hmm. If I was a 60-year-old woman in the solo scene, what would I like? I would like activities like dance classes and fun like things that you usually only do when you're a kid but allowing it to be of all ages if that makes sense so clubs maybe there's like a fencing club bowling club <laughs> bowling like like grass bowling yeah yeah that's there that's maybe, there. maybe some croquet yeah there's all sorts of lawn sports like that lots of games right no cool. one they're not wrestling probably but, not but there is activities mm -hmm. uh strolling was my main activity strolling. <laughs> yeah this is a very very pristine gardened place mm -hmm. it's a lot of gardening that's kind of strolling and gardening cool and all the inhabitants mm -hmm. all the all the all the members let's feel like that the, the members the visitors the patrons those are the ones who who do the gardening so they decide yeah. every year what we want we want to have some posies here we're going to do that and it's all mm -hmm. very i feel like gardening is a is a meditative experience mm -hmm. and it also goes with that saying that a society is in its at its best when uh people plant trees for that they're never going to sit under the in the shade of right mm -hmm. it's like that well cool. but it's nothing kind of provisionary i wanted so it's no food mm -hmm. it's no fabric it's no cotton anything like that it's just ornamental flowers okay. trees mm -hmm. that's what it is we don't eat any of it um but there are picnics Nice. But you have to bring your own. There are fountains, mm -hmm. so no one dehydrates when they're out there. <laughs> um, I was thinking chess. Okay, cool. I was thinking a pond. Mm -hmm. Very serene. Nice. It's a very serene place. And maybe some kind of boats that could go in the pond that they could kind of, you know, a little paddle around in. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure about that because it might spoil the, the pristine nature of it. Okay. Maybe some cranes or ducks. Cool. I don't know. 
So it's just like a really beautiful place that you get to graduate into once you reach a certain age. Graduate into, yeah. And it's something that you aspire to become a part of. And perhaps there's some kind of societies. It's like we were talking last week about the Gentleman's Club or maybe the week before. Yeah, exactly that. that. Exactly that. There is a, a Senate. Cool. Which obviously everyone's welcome to join which kind of decides the future of the park. It plans mm-hmm. things because there's a stage for mm-hmm. music, performances, things like that. So it's planning all this, it's planning the gardening, it's scheduling things. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna? Because it's all like taken care of by the people who go there. Mm-hmm. So who's going to cut the grass here, things like that. Cool. And yeah, I like what you said about graduating into it because graduation is a word, obviously, which we use for young people mm-hmm. primarily. And for older people, we use retirement. So mm-hmm. that's like, you're finished. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm quite young. But mm-hmm. I feel like uh, it would be easy to feel that there's nothing for me to work towards. And mm-hmm. in, in a way, that's what education is, right? You learn so that you can get the degree, get the job, do the thing well. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, that would be the wording of it. Yeah. And I feel like on the surface, this might just seem work for the sake of it. It's like, well, we just need something to occupy this group of people. No, no, it's a but beautiful place. But it's not place. like that. It's just like something, it's like a project. It's like yes. a community garden. It's like, I don't actually have to go there. It's cheaper to just buy food. But if you're working in the community garden, it's engaging, you're learning, you're exchanging knowledge. And as you said, planning events. And the Senate, I like the idea because it sounds like it would be conversing with the other age groups. Exactly. And people would probably respect this group since in the solo scene, people will understand that age actually does have some value and wisdom comes as you age. Wisdom Park. Wisdom Park. Um, One idea I was kind of tossing around was everyone wears a tunic. Is that too much? (laughs) It feels too much. It's probably too much. feels like a lot of scenes in like dystopian movies or utopian movies. What's wrong with it? In, um, what's it called? Metamorphosis. There's like, this just sounds like the whole world. In The Giver, you never read The Giver, did you? No, you're going through all the young adult, uh, <laughs> all the hits. I know, but all of these ones, there's always like the wise people and they always have like their area. And it's like, it seems kind of creepy, but maybe it can be not creepy. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't think it would be creepy. I think it would be be- <laughs> a beautiful sight. Yeah. But uh, even aside from Wisdom Park, I had some other notes on the Solocene aging and maybe a little bit more relevant to education. One is, obviously, we want public lectures. So there mm-hmm. could be some at Wisdom Park, but also there could be some elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, well, actually, the, the, the biggest thing, I think, is that older people shouldn't have to work. Mm-hmm. That almost goes without saying, but unfortunately today it doesn't go without saying because there's a lot yeah. of old people who, have st- who still have to work. So I think that should be a given so that they are more free to attend such lectures. Mm-hmm. I was even floating some idea about what if universities made um, their courses free to audit for a certain age group or like mm-hmm. heavily discounted or something like that. I think that would be, be, be really fun. Yeah. I think, yeah, just work being kind of optional throughout. Like maybe you do want to work until you're 80. Yeah, of course, it, of course. But there definitely shouldn't be such a pressure too if you like like you should have an option to be supported Mm -hmm. and yeah and then therefore you have this to look forward to but not the way that we look forward to retirement and that it's like oh finally i'll be free it'll be looking (laughs) forward to oh there's these cool things i get to keep learning it'll like it's not just to yeah have something to look forward to it's like to encourage continued learning continued activity continued engagement in society and 
growth of your networks of relations and so on. I had a relevant quote, possibly by Henry Ford, but I don't trust. Probably. I don't trust whoever the internet uh, attributes the quotes to. Anyone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80. Anyone mm -hmm. who keeps learning stays young, which I think is just a concise way of saying it. It's very good. And another point I had was that we shouldn't expect older people to operate in the rapidly changing technological landscape and then show them disdain or even mockery when they don't know how to work Snapchat mm -hmm. or a smartphone. You yeah. know, I, that's something I, I, I heavily disagree with when people kind of do that today. Like, mm -hmm. I, I sense a lot of young people, oh, well, you don't even know how to use Google or whatever. It's like, well, why would they? Yeah. And so I think in the solar scene, I mean, I love technology, so I think it's a, it's a good thing used properly. Mm -hmm. But I always think that it should be possible to live without it. I yeah. don't think it should be necessary that the only way that you can be a citizen, do your taxes, you know, mm -hmm. things like this is digitally. Yeah, and there will certainly be a lot more intergenerational communication in the solo scene. Mm. That's one of like the main things that I envision about it is that there's not this divide every 20 years between people that just like there's just no communication because that way knowledge will be passed on. So it's like kids will know how to use a typewriter. That's probably a bad example, but then the kids can also help their parents learn how to use the computers and it won't be so like haha i know something you don't yeah which i feel like a low key is both ways it's like no it, it oh, definitely kids is. these days they don't know how to change a tire and then the kids are like ah oh, seniors these days they don't know how to send an email send an email yeah there is this is kind of off topic but maybe it's a funny story on the topic this is podcast i was listening to and the host was telling a story about how his dad sent him a birthday email and he put the entire message in the subject line. But he just was like, it was so sweet and I loved it. And my dad always sends me these huge emails, but it's all in the subject line. But like, it's just like he, he respects his dad for it because he's trying. He's not like, just not trying. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was a sweet story. No, I can't <laughs> laugh because I, I routinely mess up the most basic uh, <laughs> tasks related to email. Yep. Any other thoughts on aging and education and soliciting? My main thought is just that we'll think about it from a young age. We'll think about oh, yeah. from the time kids are like zero to 10, which is when they're most primed to learn languages and most primed to learn instruments. We'll really like, it might seem overwhelming at the beginning of like, we're going to try and make these kids trilingual, but it just genuinely helps with aging. It helps their brain pathways be as slick as possible and it helps ward off diseases and things as they get older. So I just think thinking about it from a young age and establishing habits and routines that will then translate into more well-being through their entire life. And more learning, because it's also yeah. the case that the more languages you learn early on or the more mm -hmm. you're exposed to it, your neuroplasticity mm -hmm. kind of grows when you, as you grow. Yeah. So that you can, you're more likely to keep learning ages, keep learning languages, excuse me, when you, mm -hmm. when you age. Whereas it's hard to pick up your first, I mean, your your first foreign language when you're, mm -hmm. I don't know, 50. Yeah, exactly. Although it's not impossible. Definitely not impossible, but we want to encourage people and have them have that confidence in themselves so that they don't reach third and they're like, I've been trying to learn French for 10 years and it's been impossible and so I'm never going to learn a language again. Looking at you, Aaron, looking at myself. <laughs> but I mean, encouraging learning and encouraging activity, yeah, from a young age. 
the book I read a quote from a couple weeks ago, The Emissary, there's the main character is 107, and people in this world, they don't know if people die because there was some, like, natural disaster, and it's the first generation living through it. So they're like, maybe we just live to be really old. Maybe we're, like, immortal now. They don't know. Um, but it's funny because they're super, super fit <laughs> for some reason. But he's always talking about, like, how people used to be when they were this age, like, at 107. I don't know if people live to be 107. Yeah, of course. Not very often, though. <laughs> so they're like, people at this age used to be like this. But now they have, like, a dog rental company and they're picking up new hobbies all the time. It's just, like, it's a fun analysis of age, I suppose, in this little novella. Yeah. The organism of the week? Sure. Um, do you want to take a guess at what it is? Um, a septuagenarian. No. I hope that wasn't offensive. Mm, yeast. Whoa. Yeah. Can I was about to say, can you see this to the people watching on YouTube, but they literally <laughs> they cannot, cannot respond. respond. <laughs> there are also are not many of them, but uh, yeah, no, that looks... Very plant cell. It's giving me flashbacks, to be honest. Yeah. So I drew basically just a cell because that's what yeast is. It's a single-celled fungi, which I didn't know. So it's a fungi, just a pretty normal cell. And there's 1,500 species of yeast, and we only use the one for baking. Wow. So what about the other 1,499? Some of them cause diseases. <sighs> Some of them live on trees. They just kind of are like the they're fungi the dark yeast yeah the dark yeasts but we use the one and it's called sacromechis cerevisae something like that they reproduce asexually by budding so it's something like pinch into the two i'm pretty sure mm -hmm. and some types of yeast can produce electricity what and so a packet of yeast when you're baking which is like two tablespoons has billions of these cells that i drew and yeast was one of the first cells studied under a microscope. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And yeah, yeast is cool. I love it. I've been baking you bread. No, it's been, it's been a beautiful time for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very nice drawing. I like the way that you made it into almost a poster. Yeah. Is that kind well, of the direction we're moving towards? Maybe. I just was, you remember, we used to have science Saturdays. Yeah, and one of time course. I baked... I, there was a whole sign Saturday about yeast, and then at the end I said, mmm, yeast, that's why I'm I do remember that now. Yeah, I either said mmm yeast or yay yeast, and... No, it was mmm yeast. Yeah. Maybe that could be <laughs> our sewer scene, mmm yeast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeast is like one of my favorite things, though, because it just smells so nice when it's like mm. fermenting, and then you're like, oh, it's rising, and then you see it rising. I don't know. It's so cool to me. Speaking of yeast... Mm hmm it's almost a rite of passage, isn't it? Yeah. When the bread doubles in size, it's a rite of passage into full Well, that's what we say, isn't it? When you're rising the dough, it's like, the, well, the, the dough is in its adolescence right now, so I can't, Yeah, I'm exactly. not going to need it yet. <laughs> <laughs> is that what we say? Yeah, exactly. Moving on <laughs> um, to the Solocene rites of passage. Yeah. I defined rite of passage because I thought it would be relevant. It's relevant as a ceremonial event existing in all historically known societies that marks the passage from one social or religious status to another. Mm -hmm. And we could talk a lot about the rites of passage in today's late capitalistic uh, hellscape, but... Um, we shan't. But we shan't, yeah. We're <laughs> going to talk about Solocene instead. 
And one thing that I wanted to kind of uh, preface it all with is that I think the coming of age isn't just one moment of transition. So we'll see mm -hmm. it's a little bit less kind of uh, discreet than it is today. It's more gradual. Mm -hmm. And of course, rite of passage, which is why I like that definition I said, is it's ceremonial. This isn't mm -hmm. actually the moment when you uh, fully transform before this, you're a kid, after this, you're an adult. It's mm -hmm. a ceremonial yes. uh, moment. Yeah, because it's like if it did happen overnight, that'd be weird. But that's the way we treat it in, I know. in today. So, But it's powerful. Like if you're all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm a woman now. Like that's a big deal. Mm. And it's like it changes your mindset. And if you don't mind, I'm going to launch into my Solocene ideas. And that is my first idea was like a singular rite of passage, which I'm a little controversial on the idea for the solo scene, but I think it's an interesting idea. And that is at a certain age, probably like 16, maybe choosing a name. And I don't mean like officially changing your name. Like my name is like Alicia. It's like you'd still have your name, but you'd add a name on. And that can kind of be you like claiming your identity in the world. Okay. Does that make sense? Let's say yours. I don't know what mine would be. But I mean, what would it be like? It would be like, okay, it could just be a name, but it's like, you could also be like. <laughs> Cloudstormer. Yeah. So really something mythical like that? Yeah. Or it could just be like. Jim Bob. Daisy. Like if there's just a name you always liked, but I feel like, okay, there's the name you're given, which shapes you. Like we, it's proven that your name can shape you into like who you are. If you're named like Thunder, you're going to have like that personality but maybe you grow up and you're always thinking, okay, I like my Thunder's personality, but I would like to be a bit more soft. So then you're, the name you give yourself is Tulip or like something softer. And it's like people don't have to refer to you as it. But it's just, it's kind of just for yourself. And then you can ask people to call you that or just stick with your normal name. Like it's very, it's not super fixed and super like you're changing your identity, but it's just kind of you putting your mark on your own life. And it's like at that age, that's when you're going to do that. And I think we should also have around that age, or maybe two years before or two years after the name change, you get to choose an apprenticeship that you then go on to do for like a year or two. And this could be kind of, I'm not like super set on when it would be. It could be probably like 14 to 20, like somewhere in that range. Okay. But it's like do an apprenticeship for a summer or for a year. And I think everyone should have that opportunity in the solo scene of because it's like, maybe you choose to be a baking apprentice. Maybe you're not going to be a baker. Like, there's a girl I went to university with, and she did a baking apprenticeship, and then she went on to do just, like, a normal science degree. But it's like, she learned a lot about baking. She was happy about it. She made some connections. And I think that's what it's all about. It's just, like, self-development, but in a really, like, intensified way. So those are the two, like, major things that I thought of. Then there's a third one that I think we should do in the solo scene, which is biannual retreats. So they're kind of like every two years or so, just this age group goes on a retreat. And it's kind of age appropriate, obviously. But over time, it gets more and more like silent. And it's just kind of like a time to be introspective. Because one time I said to you, I was like, I just need some space. But I like didn't know what that meant. But then the way you like described to me like you need to like take space you need to like go and be on your own but I always was like oh I need some space and I just like go and scroll on my phone but you're like no go exist 
And I feel like that's really stuck with me. And we should make that happen in the solo scene. Does that make sense? I like your retreat idea. Yeah. Um, to put it mildly, I hate the name idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's very bold. I like your, your thinking outside the box. For me, it, it shows a certain disrespect towards your parents. But like you still have that name. And the parents would know that. I don't know. It's just a thought. I'm just saying. I'm something just saying. like that. Something of putting your mark on your life like really permanently. <laughs> but you like the retreat idea? I like the retreat idea. I had that idea. And I even had the idea for the name to <laughs> of the place to which the people uh, retreat. Okay. I had like 15 to 25, which is almost what you said. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit younger than 25. It's Purity Park. Okay. And... As I was um, kind of trying to brainstorm this, I came up with some ideas, but I didn't. I wasn't so focused as I was with Wisdom Park. Mm-hmm. You see the, yeah, the duality here. And also in the back of my mind, I was thinking if we just make this outdoor place for, let's say, eighteen to twenty-one year olds, who knows how age appropriate the uh, activities would really be? Mm-hmm. So I thought we could kind of brainstorm on air what happens at Purity Park. What is the the retreat. I mean, you were saying it's some, it's a kind of silent and meditative. And I like that thought because again, um, something that I think that we do falsely is we kind of segregate introspection to older ages. Mm-hmm. And if a kid's um, very thoughtful and, and pensive about what's happening in their life or what has happened, we say often that they have an old head on their shoulders and things like mm-hmm. that. I, I don't even know how, how true that is. Yeah. You know, I, think it, I think it's actually a good thing to encourage to an extent. Mm-hmm. So, so one idea that I had was everyone um, writes a memoir of their childhood mm-hmm. or something. Because also I think people, it's almost a, a meme now, it's almost a cliche that people go into adulthood with serious and resolved issues from childhood that need to be solved mm-hmm. uh, through therapy. Yeah. But I think quite often it's, it's not that serious and people kind of play it up and it's just the fact that, well, childhood is a tumultuous time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it helps to actually just confront these things, mm-hmm. but you don't exactly always need professional help. I think just going on a retreat and facing them on the page would okay. be would be just as effective in a lot of instances. Or just a, just a writing retreat, something artistic in general, I think would be really good. Another exa- Another idea I had was to build or run something for younger kids, for kids mm-hmm. like way younger than that, like kind of like a camp counselor vibe. I yeah. thought that was a nice uh, gradual graduation. We were mm-hmm. here, now we're running here. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I think just making it a lot more, not standardized, but a lot more just accessible and common because I feel like summer camps used to be just like the standard everyone went. Then they got really expensive or they got just kind of inaccessible for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. So definitely making those accessible. Similar to that, I think boarding schools, exchange programs, those can all be, I mean, the rite of passage doesn't have to be standardized. In fact, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the, one of the failings of today is that all our rites of passage are literally standardized. It's like, well, you have your graduation from high school, possibly your graduation from university, the state recognized driver's license. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think there should be more opportunities, but less uh, mandated kind mm-hmm. of exchange programs. Yeah, I really like that idea. Yeah, I like boarding schools as an idea as well, just because the first time you go, like not everyone has this opportunity, but the first time I ever went to a week-long retreat or a week-long camp, even if you're with like 10 teachers and just 20 other students, and you're not actually autonomous, but you feel such autonomy being away from home overnight, you have to make your own decisions, you have to 
Like maybe you have a budget for that week. You have to like... Maybe it's a foreign language. Yeah, you get a real taste of autonomy. And then once you kind of launch into your adulthood when you're completely on your own, you have those experiences to draw from. And what I think is really important, kind of what you're getting at with the therapy thing, is that, okay, you grow up in a culture or a religion or a system for 18 years, and then your first day of university or your first day in the real world is your first break from that, like your first kind of looking in from the outside. And I feel like when you're when you get to that point and you're looking back and all of that, you're like, oh my goodness, that was horrible because every negative experience you've ever had is going to be associated with that culture or with that tradition. Oh, yes. Okay. And so I think kind of scheduling in these moments to like integrate, to reflect throughout your adolescence is important to not creating resentment towards your entire experience as a child because, yeah, like it's compiling, compiling all these negative experiences and then... Of course, your first taste of freedom, you're going to just say, this is so great. I love having no structure. I love having just complete, like, I can eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. But then I feel like it then takes, like, 10 years for you to then realize, oh, my parents were on to something, or, oh, my community was on to something, and then you kind of go back. But, like, that 10-year period is important, and I feel like ideally it wouldn't happen. No, I, I completely agree. And I like, you said it's your first taste of freedom. It it shouldn't be, I mean, we shouldn't just babysit kids for 18 years mm -hmm. and then put them into university by themselves or into the workforce by themselves, living by themselves mm -hmm. and say, feed yourself, clothe yourself, bathe yourself, mm -hmm. not knowing how to do any of these things. You yes. know what I mean? It should be more, more gradual during the childhood. I mean, that's what childhood should be for, learning mm -hmm. how to do these things so that it isn't such a rite of passage when they're 19 and they're like, oh, I baked my first dinner. Yeah. You know that you know what I'm talking about? Like that should that stuff mm -hmm. should come earlier. Yeah. And yeah, the freedom should come earlier so that so many kids don't collapse in their first year of university mm -hmm. because they don't know how to eat well, they don't know how to sleep, they don't know how to study, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. They're all of a sudden it's like breaking Amish. Yeah. It's a and minor version of breaking Amish. I find that's such a common thing in universities. Like, even if you don't want to study, you should go because that's a good kind of in-between. Like you still have the safety net of your technically still a student kind of a kid, but you're not fully an adult. But I don't think you'd have to pay for four years of university to have that experience. It should, as you said, be more gradual throughout just having these opportunities to kind of taste it. And then you graduate from high school and you don't want to do university. You don't have to in order to like not end up with just no money and no exactly. like, idea what you're doing. Because you make the wrong decision. Yeah. Yeah, I th that's why I, I kind of like the memoir idea because I think it gives you that reflection helps you organize your thoughts but also it's it's it could be a separate thing or it could just be in the same document you are um indirectly planning your future as well or organizing mm -hmm. your thoughts so that you know how to align yourself for the next few years looking back on the on the past few yeah. so that when it comes to making decisions you can either make the right one or say i'm going to take a year then make the right one because mm -hmm. too often people feel rushed into making wrong one another kind of rite of passage i had was uh, for your civic responsibilities that get uh, thrust upon you when you're an adult all of a sudden, some kind of local youth's assembly or politics. Mm -hmm. So maybe when all the kids in the class become voting age, there's like a, an assembly and the, the sitting government, municipal probably, mm -hmm. talks to them and there's a genuine exchange and a genuine listening because these mm -hmm. are the people who are best equipped to talk about 
what young people are thinking. I don't think that nine-year-olds should be able to vote, or 15-year-olds even, mm -hmm. but I do think that what they have to say is, you know, should be listened to, shouldn't be completely ignored. Yeah, I agree. And then once they do get to the voting age, they're not going to feel already disenfranchised and be like, my voice isn't going to be heard until I'm yeah, exactly. like, much older. And I think that for the 18-year-olds, if that's the voting age, mm -hmm. I really think they would enjoy that. And I, I think that would be... Because most adults have never been in conversation with their uh, elected officials. Mm -hmm. So if it's as soon as you're an adult, then it sets precedent for your whole adult life, really. Yeah, I agree. There are some cool things that currently exist, but it's just, if you don't know about them, you don't know about them. Like, there's, like, the young greens is the young everything. Yeah, of course. But they're just so, like, if you're not a political science student, you're not going to engage they're with also it, really. They're also partisan. Yeah. Right? Who knows if they're, I mean, a lot of 15-year-olds are affiliated with the party but mm -hmm. informally, but it's probably best not to be. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the final kind of rite of passage I had, which is somewhat related to education, is a gradual access to the internet and technology mm. that shouldn't be just all given to you when you're five. I agree. You should kind of earn that as you age, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we grew up in a really like important time because it just, as we aged, the technologies kind of came out, so we kind of test ran that. Mm. It was like, yeah, it was. okay, when I was in eighth grade, there weren't, well, there were iPhones, but like kids my age didn't have them. Kids had like Blackberries or like flip phones. <laughs> and then when you were in grade nine, it was like the iPhone and then things just kind of came out like that. And I thought it was good. It was like, okay, up until this age, you've only ever seen a TV screen. Mm. But then when you turn 14, you're allowed to like, well, 14 is probably too old, but like you turn 12 and you're, oh, this is a computer. Yeah, like, this is the internet. Yeah. Whereas now we have like six-year-olds running around with MacBook Pros and yeah. iPhones. It's a little scary. The um, the seven-year-old that my little sister is friends with just has two iPhones. Love that. She has, has two. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, next question was... I'm, I'm going to let you deal Okay. This. What I meant by this question or this idea was, okay, we can learn through books, we can learn through lectures, we can learn through all of the traditional ways of learning. But what I was trying to get at is a kind of how can we learn... So that we're discovering. And I feel like the best way to do that is look back through history before there was schools, before there was textbooks. Like, what did we do? How did we learn? And what, where I was trying to go with it was the idea of incorporating more natural philosophy and natural, like, discovery. So it's like, instead of just teaching kids, okay, everything changes. It's like, have them just, like, observe nature and kind of try and get them to come to philosophical conclusions on their own, like kind of raising philosophers. And I know that's like, it might sound a little bit too much. It's like, how are we going to... Curiosity. Curiosity, yes. The, the Socratic method, yes, maybe. exactly. And so I think there needs to be more of that because we don't like... There isn't much of it. It's like, it's never like, just go out and learn something and come back and tell me what you learned. And it might be nuts. The kids might come back and they're like, ants can speak. And it's like... As a good learning opportunity. The ants can't speak, but this is how they... Just kind of letting them shape their own path. And it doesn't have to be throwing them into the woods. It could just be, take an hour, play with these toys, and then come back to me with a question. Like, just yeah, like ways that. to facilitate curiosity is that. So that was one of my answers, one of my ideas from this question. And then another thing I had was 
incorporating more ceremony, stories, songs, which I think really go along with the rites of passage. But I was also trying to think, how do we pass down emotional intelligence? Because you can just write things in books, which is what we do, and we say, okay, we'll refer to this when we need it or whatever. But if we just keep putting things in books and keep putting things in these like unemotional ways of passing down knowledge, the emotion will be lost, and therefore the relationships and the intricacies of human existence will be kind of lost. So I think if we try and incorporate more ceremony and more kind of fantasy into our education, I think it will keep the humanity of it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I have something somewhat relevant to that because I answered the question as in how did other cultures teach mm -hmm. in ways that we don't today Yeah, is how I, how I observed it. But one thing I noticed that was consistent across different cultures was that each had a set of, in the ancient world, this is, you know, when schools did exist and education did exist, mm -hmm. each had a set of codified texts, poems, stories, mythological uh, tales mm -hmm. that were taught um, and often memorized. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think that's kind of relevant. I mean, yeah, we do it today with the, with the fables a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. With like the tortoise and the hare. Yeah. We are saying more of that. Yeah, just thing. more like stories because it's like, okay, you can teach kids from a young age, we need to be patient, we need to, like, the, the hare will not win the race all the time. Like, but when you tell it to them in a story, it sticks, we still know it today, and you can pull it from your memory easier. This kind of goes back to last week when we were talking about music. Mm. But I feel like teaching more things in this kind of mythologized way so we're going to teach kids about the history of the Earth's crust. Yes. But if you teach it kind of in a myth, and then, like, obviously when they reach a certain age, they're going to realize, like, the science behind it. Like, it doesn't have to be super mythological and, like, have kids running around believing that there's, like, little colonies of worms that, like, have these governments under the ground or something. But they can just, like having more fun ways to conceptualize things. And yeah, then, I have yeah. um, a good question for next week because something I've been thinking about recently is how really, really big budget movies are the, the greatest um, storytelling tool that humans have ever created mm -hmm. because they are instantly transmitted to whoever wants to watch them pretty much in the whole world. Mm -hmm. It's like billions of people yeah. and hundreds of millions go to see them. So the question could be something like, what would they look like in the solar scene if they were dedicated to education? Cool. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. blockbusters. Yeah. Because I think if you hear the term, oh, it's a blockbuster, but it's actually educational. Mm -hmm. People are going to kind of roll their eyes at that. Mm -hmm. But uh, the good stories do have um, old ethics in them. They do teach emotional intelligence. You mm -hmm. say like more storytelling, but kids probably watch more movies today than they mm -hmm. ever um, reenacted dances or plays mm -hmm. or poems in the ancient world. Yeah. But maybe the movies aren't so dedicated to old and proven uh, morals and truths. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they are, but we can talk about that for next week. Yeah, cool. I'm glad you kind of got what I was trying to say with this question and my ideas because it's like, it's hard to communicate. But what I mean is like, yeah, you can read a hundred books on psychology, on how to be, how to have really strong relationships 
you need to see it modeled. Yeah, if you but but you might just read one Dostoevsky novel and it mm-hmm. teaches you just that. Yes, exactly. A, a similar observation I had for the episode was in ancient Rome, a lot of the learning was done from home with the family, by the family, especially what they called the moral education, mm-hmm. which was ex- exactly those types of things, all the, the virtues that they prioritize and how to be noble and how the people through history have acted, how you should act, how you shouldn't act, manners. Um, and this was in addition to the kind of basic literacy and arithmetic that they learned at home. Mm-hmm. And another, just slightly off topic, was in ancient India. I know, uh, I read that the education was a little bit more like apprenticeship. It was more mm-hmm. kind of one-on-one, and the student often lived with the teacher. Okay. So there was like no state involvement, which mm-hmm. I, I think is interesting. But the most um, fascinating thing I read about was the gymnasium in ancient Greece, which was a place solely for adult men, so you had to be 18 or over to get there, to exercise, but also it kind of represented the the Greek um, connection between athletics, education, and health mm-hmm. that they prioritized. So it's a place to exercise, but also to practice and discuss all those things. Cool. Philosophy, you're talking about politics, you're talking about the body, mm-hmm. the math, just things like science. Yeah. And um, there were lectures there. There were always public libraries nearby. And I thought that was really an interesting thing that we could maybe design one for the solo scene. Speci- mm-hmm. I mean, not just for men, but specifically the fact that it was over 18s only. Because yeah. this space does not exist today mm-hmm. for over 18s. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking about, oh, maybe we should design a solo scene university campus. Mm-hmm. We kind of did that in our education zine, but maybe we should spend an episode on it. I think this would be more relevant because like, we already have really nice campuses today. We don't mm-hmm. really have anything like this. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm looking forward to that. I love designing things for the solo scene. Me too. The only other alternative learning that I thought of was, I mentioned it earlier with the silence on the retreats, but I think just genuine giving people the opportunity to be in silence for a really long time because I was reading a bunch about silence retreats and meditation retreats and the history of them and everything. And just this one thing really stuck out to me as something that's lacking in education and just like our development. And it's like knowing your voice because you can be in a conversation with someone for hours and you can talk every day and listen every day, but you never, often we just say things that we've heard. We just kind of pull from sayings that we've heard other people say or in movies or read. And it's hard to know like your own true voice until you're forced to kind of sit with yourself and I'm sure if you're in silence for a long time, you're going to ask yourself a bunch of questions. You're going to be the only one to answer them and kind of come in tune with your own biases and your own yeah. ideas. And it builds confidence. And it also, I imagine, when you kind of come out of that silence, it will really encourage your relationships because you'll become a better listener. And you'll maybe have some more insightful things to offer based on your own reflections. Because it's like, usually when someone's asking you for advice, you have like, 30 seconds to come up with an answer. But if you've already had this two weeks to answer it for yourself, there's a lot more weight to your answers. And then I think it just kind of would create a bit more of a, just a better society, I suppose. Maybe we should talk about that next week as well, how to how we teach talking in the solo scene. Mm-hmm. It, um, it's funny because you talk about finding a unique voice. I feel like we talk about that today only with regards to writing. But never with regards to talking. Yeah. Because we just kind of take it for granted, even though we shouldn't take it for granted. Because we know even from this podcast um, how easy it can be to just go through the motions 
yeah and just say say things without really mm-hmm. putting any uh thought or effort behind them yeah and <laughs> i mean the podcast has been a big learning curve for us i like to think we don't do that often anymore that we're usually mm-hmm. present thinking yes. as we speak before we speak but the first few tens of episodes maybe for the podcast <laughs> um not this one but a, a previous one we did were well, maybe rough listening and i wished that i hadn't had to go through that learning curve <laughs> via a broadcast would have been nice yeah so thank you all so much for listening we love you all you're our friends and i'm so thankful that you're listening to us because it makes me feel happy and i hope you're all having a great summer i think today's the first day of summer which is super cool i don't think so but okay <laughs> bye bye